0: Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast, this is your host Stephen Robles and today we're going to talk about our M2 MacBook Pro review and when we think the M2 MacBook Air might go up for pre-order, talk about the iPad mini, some new MagSafe chargers, and at the end of the show William and I reminisce about our various iPhone models and celebrate the iPhone's 15th anniversary of going on sale June 30th. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Collide and joining me this week is my friend across the pond who's going to help me with some pronunciation. William Gallagher. How's it going, William?
1: <laughs> it was going great till you said that. And now I'm wary. Okay. Uh, please remember that pronunciation varies across the UK. Um, terms and conditions <laughs> apply. <laughs>
0: terms and conditions apply. Yeah. No, no, no. Last week, this is going to be a little follow up right here at the top of the show. Last week, there was a news story about the town of Gloucestershire. I've been there. William, I've actually been there and taken pictures of uh, some cathedral there. I forgot forgot what it was. But I've been there, and I asked our listeners, because we have a lot of wonderful listeners from the UK, how you pronounce it, and then people tried to phonetically spell it on Twitter, which I don't know if it's helpful or not. (laughs) But how do you say that word, William? It's Gloucestershire. It is Gloucestershire.
1: It is Gloucestershire, Uh, except in my house where we call it Gloucestershire, but that's a reference (laughs) to an Alan Plater play from about 30 years ago where he had some American characters praising the place with as many syllables as they could pack into the name as possible. But properly speaking, yes, it's Gloucestershire.
0: Oh, okay, (laughs) okay. So did I say it right? The fr- I don't know if you heard me say it in the last episode. I, th- I thought I said Gloucestershire.
1: That sounds right to me saying it now. Uh, I just i seem to have heard it five different ways in the last few seconds. I'm confusing myself. Yeah.
0: That's, uh, you-
1: we also know it is up the road.
0: Yeah, you just yeah. basically have to not say a lot of the letters. I think that's how you pronounce things in the UK, right?
1: Yeah, that sounds fair. I always thought that was to do it with French, actually. Um, maybe it's all romance languages. You just kind of assume the letters are in there somewhere. Take a run up at it. And whatever you jump over is fine.
0: Okay, yeah. oh, okay, okay, very good. Well, let's thank a couple of our five-star reviews. Cars from the USA. He said he really appreciates our voices, and y- especially yours, William. He, he likes even your, after, your after that. Voices. Even though, well, thank
1: you, Cars. Even after okay.
0: all of that. Even after all of that, Mackimoto from the USA. And then, like pronunciations again, it's gonna it's a struggle. Quentin De Jong. I don't know. He's from Belgium. I'm not sure what what the Belgium.
1: Ah, Quinn. Quinn, uh,
0: yeah, yeah, I I, I know him
1: better. Okay, that's what it is. Actually, is it him? I don't know, but. Quinn, how you doing? I don't, I'm not sure.
0: (laughs) Quinn from Belgium, thank you for that five-star review. Okay, one other piece of follow-up, William. Uh, I don't know if you know more about this, but we had said some of the new features in iOS 16, one of them was cellular backup to iCloud. And Magnus Krantz he tweeted at me and was like, that's already there. He's actually from Sweden and he sent me a picture and I was like, maybe this is a country by country thing. But then I looked on my iPhone running iOS 15 still and iCloud backup, there's a backup over cellular toggle That's already there. Hmm. So I don't know if you know, but I think this is not a new feature. It seems like this is a thing that you can already do.
1: I don't believe I knew about it at all. Where have I, where has it been all my life? But yes, there it is. Well, I'm on iCloud iCloud, I'm on iOS 16 and it's there. So at least it continues, but I don't, do I use it? Have I accidentally lent on the button?
0: So I actually just found the answer. You could previously back up over cellular, apparently to 5G networks, but in iPad and iOS 16, you can back up your device over LTE cellular connections. So I guess it's just slightly slower cellular connections. You can now back it up. Mm. That's the difference. Mm. So thank you, Magnus, for that, because yes, you can go to your iOS 15 device and you'll see iCloud backup over cellular. It's already there. It's right there. You could do it. All right, let's talk about M2 a little bit. The M2 MacBook Pro, all the reviews are out. Mike Worthley at Apple Insider did the review. I actually just spoke with Andrew, who has the M2 13-inch MacBook Pro in hand. We recorded HomeKit Insider, and he actually recorded it with the M2 MacBook Pro. And I asked him, Andrew, does the M2 chip, I mean, is it mind-blowing? Is it changing your world? And he said, pretty much the same as the M1. (laughs) It's pretty much similar performance You know, if you obviously do a benchmark test, it'll benchmark faster than the M1 chip. Sustained performance like rendering a video. He said he saved maybe like 15 seconds M1 compared to M2 when rendering a 4K video. So it's a 13-inch MacBook Pro, the one you already know. The design you're probably very familiar with. It's got the touch bar, love it or hate it. And it's just got an M2 chip now. And I feel like this confirms my belief. I don't know who should buy the M2 MacBook Pro for a 15-second savings on rendering a video. I think you should just wait for the MacBook Air. What do you think?
1: I think Apple's thrown us a bone here. For the first time ever, Apple's released a machine yeah. Yeah. that doesn't make you regret the one you bought a few months ago.
0: <laughs> That's what they've done. Yeah. <laughs> that is, You know what? That's exactly right. This M2 MacBook Pro does not uh, give you that regret. <laughs> you know that, that might be the first time ever. That might be the first time ever. Yeah, so I don't know. Now, there's been a new rumor that the M2 MacBook Air, which is not up for sale yet, that pre-orders may open July 8th and might be available July 15th in stores. Apple did say it would be available sometime in July, knowing Apple that could mean July 30th or it could mean July 8th, but it should be available soon. I think if you are in the market for a laptop, you want to get one under $1,500 or under $2,000, the M2 MacBook Air is the way to go. The M2 MacBook Air has MagSafe charging, so you still have two open USB-C ports, Thunderbolt ports, even when you're charging the device, has that slightly bigger display, the newer design that matches the MacBook Pros. I really don't know, unless you absolutely can't get enough of the touch bar, Hmm. you definitely should go with the MacBook Air. I also think this was hilarious. Malcolm had an article on Apple Insider. He said, how to replace the dying MacBook Pro touch bar with alternatives. And so if you just absolutely love the touch bar and you don't want to get rid of it, Malcolm offered some alternatives. I like his first option is just learn keyboard shortcuts. Hmm. <laughs> that's, a, that's, his, uh, that's his suggestion for those who miss the touch bar. But he also has some other suggestions like sidecar, obviously using shortcuts to maybe do some of those things. Using a stream deck, which I love my stream deck. I use that a lot. And also apparently there's a... Touch bar simulator utility <laughs> where you can download yes. it and sim and you actually have an on-screen touch bar. William, what well, what is that? What is happening? Well, why why is on. this the thing?
1: An on-screen touch bar simulator for a Mac which doesn't have a touch screen, so you can't touch the touch bar simulator touchily.
0: Okay, <laughs> exact. This is what I'm saying. I don't understand why why that exists. But then his last recommendation, which I know I think you I think you use this tool quite often, is Better Touch Tool. Yes, you use Better Touch Tool, don't you?
1: Yeah, and you. You just mentioned stream deck uh, right now uh, better touch tool it's in the process of coming out with a stream deck controller you can replace stream deck's own controls completely and use better touch tools uh, more mac like wands and things i've used it for about a minute and a half and i like it so far uh <laughs> bed shows one of those things where you buy it to do one thing and you find out how much else it does so yeah right. i like such tool a lot but i'm, not, I'm also with now over learning keystroke uh the um, the speed once you remember these strokes is great i've i actually have trouble now finding a new keystroke combination that i'm not already using so it's uh, yeah i'm deep into those yes
0: yeah, whenever, whenever I try to tell someone, one of my favorite keyboard shortcuts I use it all the time is paste and match style. Mm. Basically, when you're copying and pasting from one document or website to another, you know, it could have different uh, fonts, they have different sizes, and so it doesn't match. So rather than just doing Command-V or paste in just a regular paste, you can do Shift-Option-Command-V, and it will paste whatever text you had on your clipboard, but match the font and sizing of the document you are pasting into yeah, it's one of my favorites. I use it all the time. But, you know, whenever you try to tell someone about a keyboard shortcut that has more than just oh, two grief. keys, yes. you know, I, I think you lose a lot of people. But it's worth it. I think it's worth it.
1: Such a long time ago now, I was in a BBC newsroom, and I, uh, I, I promise you this was reasonable. I ended up telling somebody what my favorite Adobe Photoshop shortcut was, and the whole <laughs> room just looked at me. <laughs> It was, um,
0: yeah. <laughs> what was it? Do you remember what it was?
1: No, I can't remember. It was really contorted. You had to use four fingers on one hand to do whatever in the world it was. But no, it's, isn't that funny? Muscle memory is gone now on that one. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I try because I, I do program some keyboard shortcuts for different things, especially app specific things. And listeners, if you didn't know, you could go to system preferences on your Mac, you go to the keyboard settings, and then there is a shortcuts area where you can actually program. Shortcuts, keyboard shortcuts per app. And so you basically, if you match the menu command in whatever app, whatever menu command, you match it exactly, you can map a keyboard shortcut to it. I typically try to do like command option and then a letter. Mm. And then I, I try to do a lot of shortcuts that way because once you get into like the FN and control, you know, I don't know, I would get a little yeah, lost there.
1: That's, different on different keyboards as well uh some you have to hold the function key some you don't so yeah i avoid those
0: that's actually one of the reasons i have like three keychron keyboard wait no i have i have two i have the k2 and the k3 keychron keyboards and i like typing on them but they don't have an option button next to command Mm. on the right hand side next to the spacebar, and so that that one keyboard truck that i do all the time which is paste and match style I can't do it no. on that. Uh, you know, I would have, you have to use the option key on the left side, which again, this is like a first world problem. But it's just one of those like muscle memory things. It's really hard to break once you get used to them.
1: Well, I use uh, uh, Control Shift <laughs> H to do a particular job I do a lot, which is fine on my Mac Mini, but on my iPad with the Magic Keyboard or my MacBook Pro, uh, where the Control key should be there's instead this little globe key that gives you emoticons and things that i'll never use so i have to remember to just slightly twist my hand <laughs> on those two keyboards
0: yeah you know i have also just one other tip uh, this is a tip episode because you know summertime beta season news can be slightly slow so let's get into some tips here mm-hmm. i actually for things like apple watch apple pay apple tv whenever i want to tweet them or write them somewhere i like the little unicode apple icon to show up rather than saying like spelling out Apple Pencil. I just has the Apple icon and then the word Pencil. I've done keyboard shortcuts where if I type iPencil or iWatch, which feels sacrilegious, but I just do it anyway, it actually auto-corrects using the little Apple Unicode symbol and the word. And so if I do iWatch in a tweet or whatever, or even on my phone, it will automatically switch to Apple symbol and then the word. And I also even do some little shortcuts, text expander does this on the Mac, but because a lot of times I'm on my iPad or my iPhone, I'll do things like, Semicolon BT, and that expands to like my YouTube channel or something like that. So I use a lot of those. Do you do any keyboard shortcuts like that across your devices?
1: Countless. Uh, They're so much parts of me though. I only remember what they are when I go to somebody else's Mac. Okay, uh, annoying ones I do. If somebody sends me a text message and saying, I don't know, it's 12 degrees Fahrenheit and they've written 12F, I'll write back that that's whatever it is in Celsius, but I'll use the degrees symbol first. So 30 degrees C. Yeah, I've got a keyboard. But it works. I can do it, and then 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 they don't talk to me anymore. mm.
0: (laughs) But that's that's good. The little degree symbol. It's I don't even I don't know how to get to it. I would have to go to like the special characters menu. Option zero, but just between us. Options. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. Yeah. I just did it. There it is. There it is. Isn't Listen, that, that that one tip, William, <laughs> oh, worth right. the price of admission for this <laughs> podcast episode. Let me just say option zero. Wow. I also do for emojis because you can pop up the emoji window and, you know, on the mm. iPhone, it's even faster, I think. But I have a couple of keyboard shortcuts for like the winking face, where if I just do semicolon parentheses, which is like, you know, the T9 texting version of a wink face, it'll mm. autocorrect to the emoji. So you could do that and i also there's a utility that you can get on the mac called rocket where you can hit colon and start typing and it'll basically search for emojis it was really quick to do emojis i really liked it but sometimes the window like wouldn't go away and it was getting annoying so i basically just took that idea and created some text shortcuts where i could do colon thumb and it does like the thumbs up uh emoji just wherever i do that so i could do that on my phone or my mac so i just do colon thumb space and it does the thumbs up emoji automatically so
1: okay ipad and iphone text case if you paste in a block of text you can press a button and it will translate whichever words it can into emojis for you um i do believe it then says if you must i think it's the button at the end but there it will do it
0: text case is this the uh like 299 app right here text case
1: that's the one. Yeah, I, I funny, I only recently discovered that it's on uh, the Mac as well. But on the Mac, I use Tech Soap, which is uh, a lot more expensive, but uh, just better and things. But for odd use on iPhone and iPad, I'm using text Case. And the other day I discovered it did this horrible thing. It also will turn your text upside down. So it's not... <laughs> always the most useful app but there's lots in there that's good and apparently some people like you like these emoji things so you know need to give you the help
0: okay now william it always amazes me the amount of utilities that you have running on that mac over there of yours so we're going to do another experiment here if you would if you would open a new finder window william okay and if, if you would go to the applications folder And at the bottom, if you have the status bar turned on in your finder, it should tell you how many items are in your applications folder. William, would you be willing to reveal how many items live in your application folder?
1: As long as you're conscious that um, I radically cut them down when I moved to Mac Mini and didn't have a great deal of space in there. So this is ones I actively use. It's 204. Oh, my God. Is, which way are you more surprised 204 yes oh wait one of them is setup so that's a folder call it 203 and a folder well now wait does set it- and utilities is a folder. oh hang on i didn't know utilities that's 225
0: 225 but now the setup folder are there a bunch of apps in the setup folder
1: there should be. Let me just check. Uh, oh, there's only five at the moment.
0: Okay, okay. But actually,
1: I don't use all five. I might I might cut those down.
0: So you got about 230.
1: Yeah, so something like that. Yeah.
0: That seemed... Okay, listeners, here's here's your tweet for the week. <laughs> tweet at William and I, how many items are in your applications folder on your Mac? I have 84. I have 84 items. You're not even trying. I've, well, I do try. <laughs> I try not to get too many applications on my computer. Whenever I get a new Mac, I typically don't... Use Migration Assistant. I did it once from my M1 MacBook Pro to my M1 Pro MacBook Pro because it was like only a year old and I pretty much had everything that I wanted. But like my Mac Studio, I set that up brand new and I only download the applications that I want. And I try like to be very particular about when I install new applications. I don't know why. I just I like to keep it to a minimum. I, I like it streamlined. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Efficient kind of thing. Yes, I'm I'm with you there. Yeah, but- Well, apparently I'm with you, but not in, in spirit if <laughs> not in practice. <laughs> no, yeah, yes. not
0: in practice. Yeah, you have more than double. That's amazing. Mm. But I think it's all, the, it's all those utilities you got running over there. I suppose. Wait a minute. Do you have a bartender? Like, is your menu bar just crammed full of icons?
1: Yeah, but I have a, a 16 mile wide screen. Oh, so really, yeah, for, a <laughs> I don't need bartender on
0: forgot, it. Uh, I forgot. Yeah. You literally have a 49 inch, ultra really widescreen monitors yes yes now do, do the icons reach all the way from right to left i mean is it like running it's into the help halfway. menu
1: no um, it's uh
0: <laughs> okay
1: just under a thir- it's actually about a quarter of the way across the screen wow for it with some things i'm testing that i won't use sure uh after a bit but then actually i can see one there i've been testing for months and i just forgot to remove so yeah that's quite a wide one as well
0: hmm. wow okay well This has been Mac Tip Corner with William and Stephen. Thank you for tuning in. And now uh, back to uh, the the M2 very briefly. This is just a rumor I wanted to touch on. It looks like the M2 Pro chip, whenever that comes out, may shift to the 3 nanometer process, possibly late this year. 2022, which would be a significant upgrade, you know, M1 to M2, we're not seeing huge leaps in performance. But if the M2 Pro chip moves to the three nanometer process could be significant improvements in speed, but also in power reduction won't be as much of a power consumptive device as the M1 Pro. And that might uh, give me some some FOMO. That might be one of the things that make me regret my M one Pro MacBook Pro. I might I might wanna to jump to that M two. We'll see.
1: For such a brief while I didn't I didn't regret my purchase and now you're telling me I'm going to very, very soon. That's
0: Maybe not. I mean, if it's just a, if it's just a chip difference, they don't make any like hardware improvements. I mean, the new MacBook Pro design is significant. Like, it's probably going to be that body style for a while. Mm. And that's usually when I feel like the Mac FOMO is when the body style change.
1: Uh, when you can see the difference. That's when you want to change. That's why you got a Mac Studio because it's visibly different to a Mac Mini.
0: Ah, the Mac Studio is visibly different, like a big rock is visibly different from a small rock. Like it's not really uh, a wildly attractive device. You know, Jason Snell, he was actually a special guest on this podcast a couple months ago. Mm. He calls it a homely design, a homely design device, and I feel like that's uh, that's accurate. It's just it's sitting there,
1: harsh but fair. Yes, who (laughs) cares? I
0: mean, it's just a big block of aluminum i mean that i don't that's that's basically it but yeah i will say what mac studio what is this four month review six month review i don't even forget when this came out but i still love my mac studio i've been doing a lot more video editing a lot more 4k video editing with multi cams i've been obviously still podcasting my main machine i'm using it eight hours a day i love it the mac studio is wonderful the sd card slot on the front amazing and tomorrow I I didn't even, I forgot to even mention this, but tomorrow I actually have my first network attached storage getting delivered Mm -hmm. to the house because it's, it's time. It's finally time. I I became an adult (laughs) and actually had a, a significant and respectable storage solution, mass storage solution. And so I got my first Synology, William, I got my first Synology coming tomorrow. Do you have a network attached storage or like, do you just have like kind of like 500 gigabyte hard drive sitting everywhere?
1: Um, the desk behind me has seven hard drives of various ages <laughs> and purposes knocking around and most of them are unfortunately backups of each other so i lose track over what's safe <laughs> and, uh, you know i would like Ooh, it's hardware inception yeah, i would i would like to go the synology route or something but um the sheer expense of the, the synology itself and then the drives that fit it i mean none of my seven would go into it so i'd be starting from scratch and it starts feels like a uh, useful but really adding up, and in quite a dull way if you spent all that money on a mac studio i think you'd really enjoy it more um
0: <laughs> well yeah. it is not there are various models of Synology. you know you can get like a two bay for a few hundred dollars you can even get an older model four bay for like 400 bucks mm-hmm. so I, I got a a four bay model one of the newer ones because uh, i you know trying to future-proof this. Like, I never want to hopefully buy one of these again, at least not for the next 20 years. Sure. So I got a 4-bay. I got, like, a bunch of 8-terabyte drives. But, you know, the investment is not It's not crazy. You know, it's it's not crazy expensive. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll let you know. I'll let you know how it goes. I'll let you know how it goes. I'm going to use it as my Plex server. Use it as my video storage solution. I'm going to have to learn all about RAIDs, mm. RAID arrays and RAID 5s and RAID 18s, and I don't know anything about those. So I'll, I'll report back. I'll report back in the next episode, but I'm excited for my Synology. Also, one other uh, new purchase, because I know I influenced you to buy the first model of this, (laughs) I just want you to know, Belkin released a new MagSafe charger, one of our favorites, me and you, William, the MagSafe 3-in-1 Belkin charger that looks like a tree where your phone and Apple Watch just float in midair, and then it's got a Qi charger at the bottom for your AirPods. They basically released a new model that looks exactly the same as the old model, but it has fast charging for the Apple watch oh. and mine's coming today. I, I bought that right away because the fast charging for Apple watch we talk about it on HomeKit insider, Andrew and I, but it is a significant difference when you're charging your watch for just a few minutes here and there. Cause I wear mine to sleep track. Mm. And so the fast charging on series seven is significant, I think. And I like the treat my, the tree style charger is my favorite because it takes the least amount of surface area on a nightstand. Everything is visible. You can see your Apple watch and phone screen kind of angled on there. So yeah. Uh, I don't know. Do you have a Series 7 watch? I forget.
1: Yes, I do. And actually, at the last wait, few wait. months, I've been wearing it overnight so that I can get up at about five each morning without, you know, disturbing the entire street. Um, <laughs> but so, yeah, it runs down overnight, but I put it on charge for half an hour or so in the day and then I forget about it. And then so I haven't f- felt a lack of fast charging. I mean, I have, must have the fast charger in the box for it, but I only ever charge it on that Belkin stand, and I have no idea how long it takes. It just doesn't seem very long. So...
0: No, no, no it's not, it's not very long, but, uh, you know, I just charge it for, like, 30 minutes but in the... too long. Well, I charge it, yeah, like... Yeah,
1: you're one of these people that 15 seconds saving on a video editing, that matters, and so does it. That's well, what you're telling me. Well,
0: I mean... because I wear it to sleep track, it basically is just on the charger for 30 minutes in the morning and then maybe like 45 minutes in the evening. And so those times are critical, you know, the faster it can charge.
1: Actually, sorry, thinking about this, yours is doing, mine is just, sitting on my wrist all night waiting for 5 a.m. Um, I have a shortcut that runs in the middle of the night that changes the face from my regular one to a thing I can see in the middle of the night kind of face. Right. But that's it. Yours is actually actively recording data and presumably syncing to the phone and things. It's doing more work.
0: Well, yours is too. Yours is too. You're still probably taking your heart rate periodically mm-hmm. throughout the night. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, speaking of how many alarms you need to set, I tweeted this meme. Have you ever seen this meme? I just sent you an image in Slack about what it looks like to set your iPhone alarms. And it's like this Photoshopped image. I'll put it as the quick (laughs) chapter art. So look at your podcast player right now and you'll see the meme I'm talking about. It's pretty funny. Anyway,
1: I did have a friend who used to set an alarm for about 8 a.m. to remind him to set an alarm for 9 a.m. Remind him that at noon he needs to reset his afternoon alarm, so that at three o'clock an alarm goes off and tells him to take his stress medication. <laughs> okay. So, well, I felt like he was probably doing some damage there to himself, yeah. over stress. But
0: this episode is brought to you by Collide. If you're considering a third-party audit like SOC two, then you should be prepared to answer some tough questions about endpoint security. Auditors want to know that you have a system in place to monitor and maintain compliance across your fleet of devices, which means showing that your employees are using things like disk encryption, screen lock, and password managers. If you're not quite sure how to go about proving that, then you need to meet Collide. Collide is an endpoint security tool for Mac, Windows, and Linux devices that does things MDMs can't, and gives you the flexibility you need to meet your third party and internal compliance goals. Best of all, Collide doesn't resort to surveilling employees or locking down devices. Instead, it works with end users to resolve issues and relies on their cooperation and informed consent. What Collide does is send messages in Slack to your employees and lets them know the steps they can take to better improve the security and privacy practices of their own devices. It works with end users to resolve those issues and relies on their cooperation and informed consent. You can meet your security goals and pass your audit without compromising on privacy. Visit collide.com slash Insider to find out how. If you follow that link or you can click it in the episode show notes, they'll hook you up with a goodie bag just for activating a free trial. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash apple insider and that link is in the episode description our thanks to collide for sponsoring this episode one other rumor this was from ross young he is saying he's the display analyst he actually has a pretty good finger on the pulse of what's going on with the displays and apple devices he says that the ipad mini most likely not getting promotion isn't really compatible promotion is only going to be on the pro model ipads in the future and so even if ipad mini gets an upgrade. Uh, probably not. It probably won't get promotion, which is sad because I do really like the mini. I like the size, although I feel like I've been using a little less. I actually moved back to my large oh. 12.9 inch iPad to edit my podcast, but don't tell anybody. Oh, don't tell anybody.
1: It, look, it's just you and me. Yeah, it's just the Talk two of us. this
0: The reason why is because I got this, this mag flute, uh, the mag flute stand. I don't know if that's, <laughs> there's an umlaut over the O, so I don't know. Pronunciation police. Uh, you let me know if I if I got that right. But I've been I've just been having the iPad on this magflute stand, and I actually edited my podcast with the iPad on there so I don't have to hold it and get carpal tunnel uh, while I edit this show and others. And uh yeah, I like the big screen again. That that XDR screen and the promotion, it's really nice. And so my iPad mini's been collecting a little bit of dust, I'll be I'll be real. It's just that the display you know, I said this wasn't a big deal, and I, I still don't think it's that big of a deal, but the display resolution and weirdness with, like, widgets on the home screen and things, like, it's, it's still a little weird. Like, even almost a year later of the iPad Mini getting redesigned and launching, there's still a lot of weird display quirks. I don't know. Maybe that'll get fixed iPad iPadOS 16, but... Okay, that's all I'll say about that. Sorry, Mini. Uh, I still like you. I do. Well, I wanted to touch on some travel accessories because, you know, we're in the middle of the summer. People are traveling doing vacations maybe you're traveling for business and because the belkin released that new magsafe tree charger thought it'd be interesting just to hit a couple of travel stuff we have an article daryl actually on apple insider has this roundup of different devices to take while you travel i would say when it comes to chargers which is kind of your priority when you're thinking about your technology how you're going to charge it on the road i actually still like contrary to popular belief the magsafe duo charger that seems And probably is overpriced, but the compactness of that little charger and the ability to just put that on like a hotel nightstand, I still really like the MagSafe Duo. I pair that with a power brick from Hyper Shop, which has two USB-C ports so I can plug both MagSafe Duos into it. I plug my kids' iPads into the USB-A charging ports on that same brick. But you can get stuff like the Anchor 40-watt Nano Pro Charger. This is like $35 from Amazon. And it has two USB-C ports and that plus two MagSafe Duos if you're traveling with a partner. And that's a good deal right there. You can charge your phones and your Apple watches and your AirPods whenever your phone is not on the charger. And you can like, I don't know, have have a pretty good charging situation there. If and when you travel, William, what is your uh, charging setup? What do you bring?
1: I mean, it's TV companies in London, and they have very nice power strips you can plug into when you charge, but I just haven't needed them. For some reason, uh, even though I'm actually writing quite a lot on trains and uh, waiting in meeting rooms and things, uh, I don't have any problem with charging last time I did charge up my iPhone from a battery pack I had with me but I I really don't think I needed to even that was lasting for the whole day so Mm. I'm being lulled into a you know a secret sense of security not a false sense a secret (laughs) sense of security and it will be disastrous for me very shortly but you know
0: <laughs> also do you bring any battery packs like the apple MagSafe battery pack or the anchor battery pack at all
1: um i have an anchor battery pack right in front of me and i've used an excitus one that i'm reviewing um but really uh, maybe it's just uh, travel is still so new to me that it's not become a deal i carry all the cables with me and i will plug them in on trains and things if necessary so okay maybe i'm just not using them as much as you hmm
0: Well, I mean, I haven't traveled super recently, but when I do, you know, because I mean, we have three kids and so like, Charging devices is always mm. you gotta you gotta have solutions before you go. You know what I mean. You can't solve the, you can't solve those issues in yes. the moment usually uh, without it being very expensive. But that's why I'll put some links in the show notes to those. I will also say I don't have one of these, but Mophie has a three in one MagSafe charger that like folds up so it can be portable and you can charge your Apple Watch, phone, right. and AirPods all at the same time, which is really nice. So that's there. And then I, I actually still use Apple's first party MagSafe battery pack sometimes and the Anchor one. And for all the heat that the Apple one got initially, I still kind of like it because it's low profile and it, you know, gets you through. Mm. So I like that one. And also when traveling, man, iPad with Magic Keyboard, it's hard to beat. Oh, yeah. Especially if you have the 11 inch with the uh, Magic Keyboard, it's it's wonderful. Are you are you using yours as you travel or are you riding on trains over there? What are you doing? Uh,
1: in the last couple of meetings I've had on MacBook with me and when it's with me, I prefer that but I have written forty or 50,000 words or so while traveling on the iPad one. And wow. if I'm in a hurry or if I know this little chance I'll have a long writing session, it's the thing I pick up and grab wherever I'm going. So I love this iPad Pro and this lovely keyboard. Wow. I'm glad I got it first, actually. If I'd done it the other way around, if i bought the MacBook first, I don't think I would have been able to kind of mentally justify the expense. But this way around, yeah. uh, they both do certain jobs for me. They're both very useful. I'm really glad that i've got them both and i'm surprised how much i use them both. i said i start at five in the morning the first job um you know, after shower and tea is i pick up the uh, macbook pro the ipad pro uh, kindle iPhone uh, and and I head off to a catch where I do a certain type of writing first thing and Mm -hmm. I have them all charged up overnight I pick them all up it's become my writing process they are my little friends with me at that time in the morning and this is just becoming so personal and slightly weird that I'd like you to (laughs) say something now and stop (laughs) me
0: well I want to know what when you write on your iPad what app do you use to write Where are you writing that?
1: More or less the same as I do on the MacBook. Uh, A great deal of things go into drafts, but I love Omni Outliner. I love Omni Outliner. When I've got to think something through, Scrivener, uh, pages. Not so much recently, for some reason, pages, but quite a lot in Scrivener. Okay. Thanks for it. Yes, I'm a... Do you remember the days when you used to have one word processor and you did everything in it?
0: (laughs) And it was probably Microsoft Word? Yeah. Or or, do you remember WordPerfect? on the Windows side.
1: I was writing computer manuals for a company. We were writing in WordStar. I was paid to be writing manuals in WordStar. I came in one morning, the company had done a deal with WordPerfect and WordStar wasn't just out of favor, it was erased. You had to use WordPerfect. And all of the technical <laughs> authors in the room went, oh, all right, and carried on. A few months later, they made a deal with Microsoft instead and came in WordPerfect erased words there and the (laughs) swearing that went on in that room trying to figure out how to get this thing to do things okay
0: yes Uh -uh, that's funny that's funny yeah i remember word perfect i remember all the clip art stuff and whatever i remember the one application that was quite the learning curve i finally figured it out but it was for like magazine style layout which was quark have you ever used Quark?
1: Oh, Quark Express, yeah, I've used it even yeah. recently. I re- did a review of the new version. There's a new version? Yeah, it's, I mean, quite famously told Mac users to go to hell a long time ago. Yeah. And then it slowly <laughs> come back. And it's been adding in amazing features along the way but it's still not really convinced anybody that it's going to stick around it is and it's a really good app and i know companies that rely on it um but it was beaten because indesign is better and at the time indesign was pursuing the mac where they weren't Uh, at the moment i've moved away from both of them and i'm doing um, affinity publisher for one project and uh, i utterly adore that
0: so, yeah. yeah, look at that. I, I'm going to put a link in this to show notes. But yeah, Quark Express 2022. I mean, this thing is like mm-hmm. hot off the press, this piece of software. The think with the Adobe suite, I mean, they just have so much integration. I remember in one business, they would use Adobe InDesign to lay out a project, a magazine or brochure. And then Adobe also has a copy editor yeah. application as part of the creative cloud. And you can have someone basically just do the copy editing of a document, but not affect any of the layout, any of the graphics. And you know, that kind of integration, you really, you really can't beat, especially if you're working across large teams, but yeah, Quark still a thing. There it is. All right. So Brazil is getting on the USB-C train. We know that Europe, the EU is trying to pressure Apple into adopting the USB-C port on the iPhone, getting rid of the lightning connector. Well, it seems like Anatel, it's a Brazilian regulatory agency They want to also standardize the charging, but their proposal would require companies to switch to USB-C by July 1st, 2024. So we're talking like two years from today. Now a little context, Ming-Chi Kuo, who does a lot of Apple rumors, he has his analyst letters. He says that the 2023 iPhone 15 will abandon the lightning connector instead of USB-C. So Apple would be about like a year ahead if it actually is enforced. And then, you know, we had talked about in the past that maybe Apple will just go from lightning to nothing, just do all MagSafe or wireless charging. I feel like that's not really possible in a year and a half. Like, I can't imagine iPhone 15 having no ports. So I don't know, William, what what do you think? Is this USB-C thing finally going to happen because of regulatory pressure or are they just going to take it out and just say MagSafe only?
1: Well, remember, I'm in the UK, which has announced it will not pursue the USB-C thing uh, it's not standing with europe and doing the rest of this and this is going to make no difference to apple at all there's no way apple's going to release a uk only one with a blessed lightning port still in there so we're going to see the change at some point but uh, i think it's going to come when apple doesn't really care about it anymore there was some talk about there being maybe apple would release adapters lightning to usb see adapters. Mm. Yeah, if there needs to be a stopgap, i will do that. But I I see the wireless future coming as well. And I'd be mostly glad about it, mostly.
0: I charge with MagSafe everywhere, my AirPods, my phone. The only place I don't do MagSafe is in the car because I still had not found, I know there's options out there for MagSafe car holding things, but Mm. I still like the Belkin MagSafe mount because it feels the most sturdy. So I just plug the cable in in my car if I ever need to. But if I went MagSafe in the car, it would be safe everywhere. And then the only lightning cable I would need, ironically, is for the AirPods Max, which you have to charge with lightning, doesn't charge wirelessly or USB C, which it feels like if they release a second version of the AirPods Max, I think they'll go USB C on that. What do you think? If they do another AirPods Max, would it go USB C? I actually didn't realize
1: that the AirPods Max were still lightning. Yeah. I'm quite taken aback but I don't know yeah. how can you be taken aback by a type of cable but I was honestly surprised yeah. when you said it I so. know I know hmm.
0: well you know all the other AirPods wirelessly charge but I understand the AirPods Max are a little oddly shaped but I mean if the ear cup's turned in a way that you could store them easily maybe they could also be wirelessly charged easily but we'll see so before we get into the iphones 15th anniversary i thought we could reminisce about our first iphones and maybe what smartphones we had before our first iphone i want to do a couple quick plugs friend of the show basic apple guy He has a great website. He has awesome wallpapers. He tweets about a lot. He's actually doing a wallpaper bracket where people can vote for their favorite macOS wallpapers. And he's going to figure out which wallpaper comes out on top. So I'll put a link in show notes to his wallpaper bracket. If you'd like to participate, that's pretty fun. And also friend of the show, Pablo, he actually sent me an iMessage app recommendation, which I can't even remember the last time I installed a bespoke iMessage app instead of just, I don't know. I just don't even, I don't even know what, I don't use apps in messages. Do you use any apps in messages, William?
1: No, I don't. But sorry, my mind's still trying to decode wallpaper brackets. I have some brackets I fixed on my wallpaper and I mounted my iPad. Oh, on well. it. But that feels like this is a different thing. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry, William. This this is a sports thing. This is a sports ball thing.
1: Uh, oh, okay. Stop there. That's fine. Okay. Yeah, I thought, which sports, I would, I yeah, would <laughs> really <interesting>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would not be familiar with it, but I've done my own brackets for like Disney animated movie uh, songs. Like I've done brackets like that in other podcasts. So that's the only reason why I know what a bracket is. But he's he's basically going to be putting wallpapers head to head from old to new macOS versions and find out which one people vote to be the top, the most favoritest macOS wallpaper ever. So that's what the bracket is is going. So there'll be several rounds. This is like the first round to, uh, you know, decide which ones. It's got some old tiger and leopard wallpapers. It's pretty okay. fun. Uh, but now to the, to the iMessage app, Pablo sent me this app called Very Necessary Reactions. And I had not heard of this before, <laughs> but basically it's a sticker app which, you know, stickers, I typically don't use an iMessage. Stickers, like you can get Alto's Adventure stickers or even like Bear, the note-taking app has stickers where you can tap and drag a sticker onto messages in an iMessage conversation. only works with iMessage, not SMS. But you can drag like little stickers on the messages or all over the conversation. Well, very necessary reactions. It's stickers, but they look just like the tap back reactions, like the thumbs up, the exclamation point or the heart. And so basically you can say things like bet, or buy or chill, and they're all in like the little bubbles that look just like tap back reactions in iMessage. So if you get this app and you use them as stickers in an iMessage conversation, you'll probably really confuse someone and they'll wonder how you got these other reactions and they'll assume it's like built in because they look just like the built in ones. So I don't know how they got away with this, like mimicking the design exactly to Apple's, but it's pretty funny.
1: If somebody sent me a message that said chill, my first thought would not be, what method of processor do they use to get that app (laughs) sticker there? It would be, right, do i have to work with this person
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i would what would i send you here let me look these bubbles are very small uh if you send me something cool william i could react with a little dope like i, I would say that's a dope thing whatever you said
1: you know a dope in the uk is a stupid person
0: well yeah. i think that's also the same in the u.s but i oh, think you know this
1: dopey is one of the seven dwarfs yes okay
0: uh, <laughs> yeah that that's the reference people are going to think of first the seven the seven dwarfs <laughs> Uh, maybe they will. You, but you can even there's even uh, reactions with dates. Like, you can put future dates on there. That's, that's interesting.
1: I'll finish the script by a certain date. Okay. yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. exactly. i not sure exactly. why I couldn't just type that. Uh, Does it look more believable if it comes yeah. out in a graphical?
0: Listen, I think the main point is just to fool your friends into thinking these are built-in reactions and let them, like, look around for an hour trying to find it. I think that's the main point of this It's just to confuse your friends. Right. So, and I, I respect
1: that. And every Every Android fan I've got won't bother. But, okay. well, well, they, they
0: <laughs> can't use stickers there. No, all right. All right. Now comes, uh, I'd like to reminisce, William. This is the reminiscent part of the episode because it was the 15th anniversary of the original iPhone going on sale, June 30th, 2007. That was the date you could wait in line at an Apple store and buy the original model iPhone. Uh, Luke, M- Luke Miani, he actually had a video go up on some prototypes. He got his hands on some early prototypes of the iPhone that date back to 2006, which is pretty interesting. Put a link to our article there. But man, the first iPhone, I did not have an original iPhone. Did you have the OG? It's in my hand right now. Oh my
1: God. Original iPhone. Except for me, it wasn't 15 years ago because in the UK, it was several months afterwards. I don't remember when Uh now, but I, I was so envious. For those first few months but yes <laughs> i have it and unfortunately i found out this week my original iphone no longer works oh. i tried charging it up again and and it just gets into a stuck into a loop of the apple logo so it is no more but oh it's so nice it's
0: no more. but the fact that you have it physically in your hands i mean that's that's mm. something i did not have an original i my first iPhone was actually the iPhone four. Yeah. I missed the first three generations of iPhone because what were you doing? Well, huh. I was on sprint and I was on like a family plan on sprint. And, you know, back then, you know, cellular contracts were like trying to break up with the mafia. You know, it was, it was very complicated. <laughs> iPhone was not available on sprint. Mm. Then I don't think it was until like the iPhone five, five S or something, but did you wait in line to get that original one? Uh. Did you get it on launch day for the UK?
1: Yes, I did. Wow. I had to remember. I'm surprised I had to remember. But yes, I queued up. Oh my God. We had the advantage that by the time it came here, you know, there was a big price drop. Yes. Um, so it was actually slightly less. But then currency conversion rates, it still felt like a lot. Yeah, <laughs> um, it was definitely the most expensive one I bought at the time. Now it seems cheap. But, you know, back then. Yeah. Yes, I can remember holding the bag. Actually, I've still got the, the bag somewhere in my office.
0: Wow. Uh, you still have the box? For- I assume you still have the box.
1: Oh, yeah. Yes, somewhere. Oh man. He said confidently.
0: Yeah. I'm I, I missed I missed it. I remember I had a, a close friend, he got the original iPhone on launch day. He had it in one of those SENA leather sleeves. He didn't have it in a case. It was in this little like leather sleeve that he would take it out and he would hold just the naked phone when he was using it. And I still I have still have a sense memory. We were in like a movie theater and he took it out of his pocket and I saw it for the first time and I followed Apple News at the time, but not super close. And when I saw that thing, it was just incredible. Like for the time, it was yeah. an earth-shattering device. So different, so future-focused, like so forward-thinking of a device. And I remember, I'd be curious if if you had it, if you had a smartphone before the original iPhone. But I did. I had many Windows mobile devices, and then even Android devices. I used like the HTC Touch, Windows mobile device. I actually had a Palm Pre, which came out around the same time as the original iPhone and iPhone 3G. Had a Palm Pre. That keyboard broke in like three days. Like I dropped it, and just (laughs) that sliding Palm Pre did not last. I had a BlackBerry Tour, and I even had like an Android HTC Hero on Sprint because that was like the only Android phone on Sprint, and it had the little trackball at the bottom. Terrible phones. Horrible phones. But that you know, I had smartphone experience before. Oh, I also had a Palm Trio. 755 P on Sprint. And it was the first trio that didn't have that huge chunky antenna sticking out the top. And that really felt like you were you were doing it. You know, you had the nice trio with the full keyboard, full buttons, touch screens, stylus, can install Palm OS apps. You know, I thought I thought it was something. And those were those were my pre-iPhone smartphones. Did you have any smartphones before your original iPhone?
1: I don't think so. I remember trying some, uh, particularly, I don't, I've got this vision of being in some sort of um, motorway service station, really needing to do something online. And my wife had a s- smartphone and trying to get the internet on it. Uh, I don't think I actually managed to do what I needed to do. But the impression I had was that this was all expensive worthless and then along comes the iphone and does it all right i mean i you were saying about it looking futuristic it looked right to me i remember just playing with it now i got this physical memory came back of realizing the uh the mute button was that little switch on the side yeah because uh, just a few months before i've been in a theater um it was a short play of mine going on. So obviously phones were off, but I was expecting some important guests so the phone had to be on. So I was trying—I was standing there trying to work how to get this phone to go to silent. And I just couldn't. And then here was an iPhone and it was just, you touched it. Yeah. And it was off. I touched it, it was back on. Again.
0: And back then, you know, maybe our, our younger listeners don't remember this era, but capacitive versus pressure-sensitive touchscreens, like that was a thing. All the smartphones were trying to use styluses. Mm. And so they were not capacitive touch screens. And so when you actually tried to touch the screen with your meat finger, like it just didn't work. Like you had to use like your nail and kind of curl your finger to get your nail to actually tap something. So when the iPhone came out and it was a fully capacitive touch screen and a good touch screen with software that tricked your mind into thinking it was super responsive, you know, yeah. opening an app, it would show like a JPEG first of the frozen app. So it felt like the app opened quickly and then it would kind of load in the background. Ken Cascienda's book, Creative Selection, is amazing to kind of talk about all those things in the keyboard, but it just felt it was very different. It was very different than the other smartphones at the time, obviously, and I still remember during the keynote when Steve Jobs announced it, you know, it was announced in January 2007, went for sale in June, but when he announced it, he showed all the BlackBerry and Palm devices with the physical keyboards, Hmm. and physical keyboards, they lasted a little while, even after the original iPhone launched. I remember when Windows tried making their Windows phone for a while. I had a Dell Venue Pro. Listeners, I really want to know if any of you recognize any of the phones I'm saying because this is, <laughs> I'm like nerding out right now. But the Dell Venue Pro was another slider phone like the Palm 3 that still tried to do a physical keyboard. And that was like 2011, 2012 timeframe, like four or five years after the original iPhone launched. And it was, I don't know, it's just, it's amazing to think. It's also amazing to think five years from now, William the iPhone will have existed for 20 years. Yeah. Like two decades. Like even just to think it's been 15 years, it just doesn't feel right. Does that feel right to you?
1: Um, I've actually got my iPhone 13 Pro next to my original iPhone now. (laughs) And when I look at the two together, I think maybe yes, but I was still, I mean, I wrote an article about the 14th anniversary. I don't know why I was surprised by the 15th coming around. Do you know it was a year later? But I was, (laughs) it seemed wrong somehow.
0: Yes. Yeah. You know, a lot of people say, if you compare iPhone four to an iPhone 13, like it's very similar, you know, the design is not that different. You could argue that the internals are extremely different. You know, the capabilities of the devices today compared to iPhone four and five era. But I also think it's a testament to the original design, (laughs) like that Mm -hmm. original design, even software and hardware, you know, the grid of icons and all that, like it was a great balance between, user friendliness and you know short learning curve for people new to a smartphone but also could scale and is still kind of the primary home screen interaction method today on the iphone 13 pro but i think i think it speaks to the great design of that original and those early model iphones i remember when the 3g and 3gs came out that curved glass back looked Really good, like that was. I remember seeing it, and you know it was plasticky, and people didn't like it. Be- and then it went to glass back on the iPhone Four, which has its own issues: antenna gate and breakable back. But the three GS also looked great. That was it was an envious device. Did you have those too, or well, what was your iPhone upgrade cycle? Like, did you go original to three GS, or did you have every model?
1: Uh, it was every two years because at the time I was on a contract. I remember being right. really annoyed that I couldn't get. um which is the one that Siri came in? It was the 4S? 4S was uh, Siri. I was on a the 4 then. And uh, so I couldn't get the uh, the Siri one. I had to wait <laughs> till the 6 and the No, because I had a 5. And the iPhone 5 was the only iPhone of mine that ever just broke irrevocably. I was. N- uh, driving to a workshop I was running a uh, big important thing didn't know where it was following navigation and it just died on me and I had to kind of guess what the rest of the route was and 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 I did make oh, it my. um but it was actually irreparable and I needed a phone I didn't want to buy a phone the iPhone 6 had come out but it didn't seem that much different so I kind of went into the Apple store uh cheapest iPhone you got thank you very much go so all of the (laughs) usual fun of picking it and thinking about it was gone it was just I have to have it today necessity and I kind of resented that six for a while Uh, but then I think it was uh an 11 I got next on things and that that's a huge jump and when it is a big jump like that you really appreciate the differences
0: wait a minute you went from a six to an 11
1: yeah Yes. Whoa! Yeah, that's quite quite staggering. There, did I have anything in the middle? Uh No, I used an SE, but that wasn't that. Uh, that wasn't like my own. My own well, yeah, that's like it.
0: five years. Yes, that's like five years with the iPhone six.
1: Yes, well, isn't it? Chris Evans has just well. The story is that Chris Evans uh, has just given up on his 6S after seven years. But we yeah, don't actually right, know when right. he bought it. He could have bought it. A year
0: or two A maybe. mere
1: four years ago. So yeah. just about four and a half, maybe. Wow. But
0: wow yeah. Wow.
1: I can't remember where in the cycle of the iPhones It was definitely the 6, not the 6S. Uh, so I think it was mid-run of the 6 when I had it, however long wow. that was. And it was a, it's a good phone. In fact, I was actually using it as a backup recording device until just a few months ago. So I, I came to respect it, but I didn't enjoy it. And that whole process <laughs> meant I didn't really pay as much attention to iPhones for... For a while.
0: Wow. That's something. I think I have gone I had gotten every model with the four. So I I did four, four s, five, five S, six, six S, and every everyone since. And I, I did go in person for all of those launches. Like I would get it on launch day. I would go in person to the Apple store. And I think it was with the eleven or yeah, I think it was the eleven. I was like, enough of that. I'm just gonna try and trust UPS and get it on launch day. <laughs> Which, it did mess me over with the uh, the 13 Pro. I think this 13 mm. Pro was the first time I had to wait till Monday because oh. UPS knocked and I didn't hear it. And I tried to drive down to the UPS store and they were like, nope, sorry, it's locked up in a truck somewhere. <laughs> and so I had to wait till Monday. So that was like the first time from the iPhone 4 through the 12 that I did not get it on launch day. But hey, I got a little emotional. I, I know it's really silly. Yeah. like, But when you, when you break a streak like that, I was like, man... That really stinks, so. I don't know, maybe I'll go back to going in the stores. I really don't want to. I really just prefer it to be shipped to me. But I we'll feel see.
1: silly going to stores on launch day, but it's also a lot of fun. I have this very, very clear memory. It is uh, I think for the five of being in this queue that was so long, it stretched out from the Apple store past uh, a nearby mobile phone store. And the owner of that yes. was mocking us in the doorway for queuing up. And you could see in his eyes, he wished we were queuing up to go into his store instead. Um, <laughs> right, so I kind of felt for him.
0: Yeah. I know on Launch Day too, like if you make your reservation at pre orders like you're supposed to if you go to the store that morning, there's like the very, very long line for everyone who didn't make a reservation. Maybe they didn't know they were supposed to. And then, you you know, you go up to the Apple employee and they're like, do you have a reservation? And you say, absolutely. And then they escort you to the very, very short line of like three people right in front of the store. And you feel all these dirty looks from people waiting in that long line. And you're like, you couldn't have made a reservation, too. Sorry. But, yeah, that, that's it's always fun experience. Going to an Apple store on an iPhone launch day, too. Because it's like all hands on deck, like every employee that works at that Apple store is probably there. You do meet some interesting people. I think it was with the iPhone 11 or 10s I went to upgrade in store. And the guy that was like selling me the phone, he was at the New York Apple store, or he was at some Apple store on the original launch day, like 2007, the original iPhone. Like he worked that day at the Apple store. And you can hear some interesting stories, you know, if you go in person. But what, what do you think, William? I know, our, for the final question, I know this is. Typically, the answer is just like the newest or the best, but which was your favorite or most nostalgic iPhone model that you have owned since getting the original?
1: Oh, Oh, um, I'm trying to make some noise to cover it while I think. um,
0: ah. (laughs) uh, I'll cut out Uh, all the space. I'll cut out all the gaps.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Some of my best work there. Uh, (laughs) I think the joy for me was the eleven. No, I must, no, I must have, I must have had a, uh, I had a large scale, what was it? Was it 10S? Uh, The I went for the biggest iPhone, I tried it, it must be with a 10S, I'm lying to yeah, you. So the s Max,
0: that. 10S Max. 10S yeah. Max,
1: thank you, and I really liked it. And then I, I try, I think I just, I couldn't justify the cost I felt. And the next year I went to the smaller one, got the 11, the 11 Pro, and I utterly loved it. I loved it so much more than the Max that I, I'm not going back to the bigger size then. And I think that uh, uh, the, the the love was for the 11. Uh, that's mm. where I think it was. Mm. What about you?
0: Oh, man, I really loved the designs of the 4 and 5. I, I think those were some of the the most, like... They felt so good in the hand mm. and you can reach everything one-handed mm. and you know that flat back with the flat sides like we have with the iPhone 12 and 13 now but I really love those designs but I will say when the iPhone 10 came out the first time you know there was a really significant design change face ID that felt I guess historic you know like I miss the original iPhone and I felt like the iPhone 10 was like the the next phase of iphone the next you know where iphone is going from here forward and i i went to an apple store for that and i actually got the white one on that 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 uh, iphone 10 and i i really liked it i thought it looked it was very attractive but i remember getting that iphone in the apple store taking it out of the box doing face id for the first time it really felt like <laughs> now we are in the future like <laughs> like this is the future and it was it was really exciting and so for a launch i'd say iphone 10 for nostalgia factor i really loved the the four and five designs but well listeners that was a lot of reminiscing that was a lot of fun i hope you enjoyed it as well Mm. tweet at william and and myself what was your favorite or most nostalgic iphone model i would love to know you can also ask us anything on twitter you can also You can also support the show at Patreon.com/AppleInsider and directly in Apple Podcasts. You get an ad-free version of the show and early access. And if you haven't yet, we'd appreciate a five-star rating and review in an Apple Podcasts. We'll give you a shout out at the top of the show. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. I wonder
1: if people reminisce about Android phones in quite the same way. <laughs> I was
0: going to say must. It just. I don't know. Oh, no. right. I'm so glad I kept recording my backup recording because I'm going to put that after the uh, the music <laughs> at the end. No, people do not reminisce about Android phones. That is not a thing that happens.